The enchantress was so hard-hearted that she banished the poor girl to a wilderness where she had to live in a miserable, wretched state. This is The The Grimcast. Well, hello. Well, hello. You look gorgeous. Thank you so much. I love that red lip on you. You're like a Hitchcock blonde today, girly. I'm doing whatever it takes now. My mother was very... She was a wreck except for lipstick, and I used to make so much fun of her, but now I get it because it's like you can just put on a red lip and everything feels better. You know, it's like dress for the job you want, like dress for the day you want, you know? That's right. I, too, put on a strong brow for this podcast. Look at that. A little eyebrow liner. I did some, like, fluffy. I put on a cute top for you, girlfriend. Oh, see? Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to bring Reggie on in a little bit, but first... Let's answer some fan questions. Hi, my name is John, and my wife Kathleen and I are huge Grimm fans. My question had to do with ad-libbing. Was everything we saw on the screen actually in the script, or did you guys ever get a chance to add something on your own? We were particularly wondering about some of the great stuff Silas said in the Monroe character. Hey, John and Kathleen. Thank you for your question. You're right about Silas. That was a lot of Silas. He's a real smart cookie, that Silas. I don't think there were any ad-libs unless I didn't remember my line and subbed with something. No. You know, some shows and scripts, that's part of your experience. But a show like Grimm, when you have to get a lot of very specific, important information A lot of information, yeah. In a very short amount of time. You guys stick to the script. It's not really part of this particular kind of gig, unless you have a character like Monroe, who's kind of there to have a little bit more space to kind of play. But particularly with Rosalie, Rosalie just had a lot of information that needed to be sent. So I did not. My question is, I want to know who was the silliest on set in terms of all the guys? Honestly, I think Sasha. But maybe Sasha didn't realize how silly he was. And that's the distinction. (laughs) I mean, those are fun dudes to all work with. There's a lot of gaseous activity, though. So many farts. So many farts. There was no one hiding any farts. There was like farting and then claiming the farts and then kind of talking about why the farts and what had happened at lunch leading up to the farts. You know when you can start to identify the particular fragrance of an individual's fart? (laughs) You know, then I was like, I think we're too close. (laughs) Hey guys, my name is Jill. I'm a huge fan of Grimm. This is a must-know question. What did you steal from set? Well, Brie has stolen probably more (laughs) from set than anybody else. And she's not someone that you would expect because Brie is also the person who gives more gifts than anyone on set. Maybe I'm giving the gifts I've stolen. (laughs) (laughs) They're like little hot personalized pencils that I would just get in my trailer. Every holiday, there would be like a cellophane wrapped Halloween treat. Yeah. So Brie is at the same time the person who steals, but also gives the Robin Hood of (laughs) the Crips. (laughs) I'll take that. I'm looking right now, Jill. I have about five items in this vicinity alone that I've stolen. I'm just a very sentimental person. I also like really good socks, so I'll steal those socks. We love hearing from you. Please keep reaching out. Go to the show notes to leave us a message. Today, we are talking about episode 107, Let Your Hair Down. 
First of all, I really like this episode a lot. I think it's our first female director, Holly, right? Yes. Will you read the synopsis, Brie? Oh, oh my God, Claire, I will. Thank you for asking. A mysterious homicide deep in the woods leads to Nick and Hank reopening a long-aborted missing persons case. When Nick suspects this abducted person might be a feral creature, he asks Monroe to help remind this wild child of her human nature. I really thought this was a very sensitive episode. Yeah, I was crying at the end of this episode. The actress who played the mother in this episode, who is Claudia Christian, was just so perfect. Yeah. They looked so much alike, Mm -hmm. too. Even though she was the adopted daughter, there was just a real strong connection between these two actors, even though they spent so little time actually together. But yeah, this episode really got me because we haven't seen Vesson Vogue in that communicative way where they're sort of establishing a link mm-hmm. and speaking to one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish we had done more with that moving forward because it was like such a great idea. Future trip meet when I get entered into the end of this season when Monroe and Rosalie meet and there's a similar communing, silent speaking. But I... I loved the sensitivity with Russell, with Hank. Yeah. You know, him reliving this case from nine years ago and Reggie, you know, as well, the two of them being together for that case and just how heartbreaking and awful it was. Because a lot of the show has been heavy action, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, just like case of the week. And this is the first time that they're bringing something in from the past that everyone has had to live with. And that's where I'm like, oh, you know what? We got really good actors on our show, you know, and like, (laughs) yes, we're doing our thing. But at the end of the day, everyone is really, really good. And it's intangible, really. And maybe if you're not an actor or an artist, like that's how good it is. You don't even know why it's good. But I think particularly Reggie and Russell, I mean, our guest cast was just so perfect. Yeah. I love the depth. Yeah. And it was really exciting. It was a beautifully edited episode. I thought the pace was really tight. It was more like quiet. Yeah. It was just this more sensitively intense episode. But, you know, I also felt really bad for Dustin, our hiker, who, I mean, homeboy's just like coming in like a three-quarter Patagonia fleece. Yeah. Yeah. He's not here to be hit over the head, tied up, beat out, beat his face. He's just going to his car. And then what the hell was that like device they like jammed into his neck? And then he's like tied up again and he's just trying to do it. He's just a groomer. He's just a dog washer. He's just a dog walker. Like a very successful dog wash <laughs> business they run for that beautiful craftsman in Beaverton. In Beaverton. I just love anyone who's from there. I mean, I just love like, you can't get from Mount Hood to Beaverton in under two hours. <laughs> the hell is this story? What is this story you're saying to us? And I was thinking, because the writers, none of the writers were in Portland. The writers room was in L.A. the whole time, but they really nailed the specifics. I mean, if you're from Portland, you know all of this stuff. I mean, every now and then we have to fudge something, but there's so many accuracies. Like even the dog wash company being in Beaverton, that says something very specific if you're from Portland. And I want to know, like, who were their boots on the ground relaying all of this information? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm sure throughout the course of this season of podcasting, we will find out. But that will be for a different podcast. Yes. Oh, you know what else? So, you know what I really was tickled by was, like, the middle-aged Vessen community, <laughs> Bud and his two buddies. Yeah. Oh, God, with Bud. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that whole element, too. There's just so many... 
like you're really in the world now of the Vesson community. Yeah. What I love about genre is you can talk about so many things without talking about them. So you could insert whatever is meaningful to you of like when you knew something in your life, but were scared about what it was or who you are, like your identity, whatever it is. Also, just like a really, it was low key, but a really nice moment when Monroe shares of when he first like fanged out, yeah. you know, and how scary it was and confusing and he didn't have anyone. Like the puberty element of it. It's just all those little elements that just really deepen the whole story and the world we're creating. I loved it. Great job, Holly, our director. Yeah, great job, Holly. Holly Dale, yeah, she directed this episode. Yeah. Holly comes back for a bunch. She does. Hey, Claire, I got a fun fact for you. How fun is this fact going to be, Brie? Well, as of September 3rd, 2022, the show has been off the air longer than it was on the air. Wow. Let's reflect on our aging selves. That's not a fun fact. It's more like a depressing fact. That's a fact of life that we all have to sit with now. So thanks, Brie. You're welcome. That's crazy. You know, it was really funny. <laughs> what? First of all, fun on ATVs in this episode. Yeah, everyone gets an ATV. That took me out of it for a second because I was wondering how accurate. I mean, I guess they were way up there. Is that how you would do some sort of drug raid? You get an ATV and you get an ATV and you get an ATV. You know, we never saw those again. Yeah. Probably because they're too expensive. We might have gotten in trouble with that one. Well, we were probably in Forest Park, I assume, right? Yeah. I was wondering about the marijuana plants. It's not my area of expertise, but those plants, clearly not marijuana plants, but I'm wondering what they were. They were very bushy, very well hydrated. Also, this episode introduces us to Christmas at Monroe's house. Oh, my God. I can't believe we didn't lead with that. Oh, my God. It's Christmas at Monroe's house. The first episode we see it. How adorable was he in that? And Santa Claus. There were so many funny moments. That little exchange with learning about Santa Claus and Nick's kind of realization. Like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, the magic of that. Like, oh, my God. Santa Claus is real. I mean, we'll get to more Christmas episodes. But I was IRL on that set during those production days and our team. I mean, that was even better in real life than you could ever imagine on the camera. All right, guys, you ready? Our guest today is often first at the crime scene, and he's always first in our hearts. Please welcome Sergeant Drew Wu, also known as the wonderful and talented Reggie Lee, to the podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, Reggie! This is such a great way to start my day. Claire Bear, look at your room. I Yeah, it's Calvin's room, obviously, but, um, yep. And Brie, I'm feeling mid-century in the background there. Oh, you know me. I'm mid-century, ride so or die. Oh, this yeah. is my Airstream room. Check it out. Look, it's like a rounded little wood. Wow, it's you really so did. Good. It looks amazing. Thank you. Well, I just saying, you and I just saw each other like a week or two ago with Lynn. We did. But look, Reg comes in and he already makes all of us feel better about our lives just by virtue of you being on the screen. I love you guys. I miss you guys. Oh, oh yeah. my God. You're also like the hardest working person I know. Can we just take a moment to acknowledge that Reggie just won a very prestigious award out in New York? And he just went, did you know this? No. I was actually hoping you guys were going to see each other. No, no. I think he was only there for like 12 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Bert texted me and was like, are you in New York City? And I was like, oh, oh I'm in trouble. <laughs> for you guys that don't know, Bert was our executive producer, director for Grimm. But yeah, no, I said, listen, I'm literally here with my nieces 
to see Broadway shows for 48 hours and pick up this award and then get out. With my nieces, they were like, okay, can we go to Taylor Swift's favorite restaurant in Tribeca? Yeah. Can we go to right. Taylor Swift's favorite brunch restaurant in Tribeca? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I could make it happen. Oh my gosh, can I come next time? I know. What did you see while you were here? Oh my God. We literally landed and my niece wanted to see Beetlejuice because it was the musical that started her with musicals. Oh, wow. Then we saw Into the Woods, MJ, Music what? Man, oh Wicked. Holy, oh I don't even know how you saw that many shows. So you were doing matinee and then evening with your little plastic cup of Chardonnay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know I had a plastic cup of Chardonnay every single time. The bar situation in Broadway right now is like pretty decent, I would say. If you go to Harry Potter, their sparkly cocktail is actually quite, quite good. Oh, God, I'm salivating. I got to get out there. Yeah. Got to get out there. How did you feel after doing four shows in 24 hours? Well, and then it was the girls' first time in New York City, right? <gasps> oh. So we had to kind of like do all the stuff. Oh, my God, Reg. We went thrifting in between somewhere in the village because they love uh -huh. thrifting. Their ages right now, like that's when I started going to New York in the summers and dancing and like doing all of that. That is oh, so exciting. It's exciting. So fun. And then I got home. I was on my couch and I could not move. <laughs> Well, not to mention you're, you know, still healing from your pickleball injury. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Wait. Look, Claire, have you seen this? Have no. you seen his boot? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Reggie's wearing a boot, like a full... I ruptured my Achilles playing, playing pickleball. Pick he went too hard, baby. Oh, my God. I literally, just like what happened with Russell. Yeah. And I was in a cast the whole bit. I called Russell right away, and he's like, Dude, let me just be real with you. You're going to be in it for a while. It takes a while. <laughs> and I was like, no. At least yours is like an actual sports-related injury instead of Russell's. No, I think Russell was playing basketball. No, he jumped up and down. It was during... A football game. It was a 49ers game. And yeah. he jumped up yeah. in celebration and came down on his Achilles too hard and stopped Oh, Achilles. shit, that is not cool. So I went to the orthopedic surgeon and they said pickleball right now is their number one source of an Achilles tear. Because pickleball is such a quick movement back and forth. You advance too quick to that net. A buddy of mine came from New York City and he was here because his wife was in Come From Away on the tour here. So he was oh, like, wow. hey, let's go play pickleball. It's the biggest thing in New York City. I play all the time. And I was like, okay, let's play pickleball. 20 minutes in, bye. Uh -uh. 20 minutes in, you didn't even get no. like a good set. 20 minutes in. Are you very competitive too? Like, I'm sure you're not going to leave anything on the table. You're like, if you're doing a thing, you're going to go for it. Yeah, because I play tennis. So that was my sport, right? And yeah, I mean, of course, if I see something up there, I'm going to run full force. <laughs> even though I haven't warmed up, it's 100 degrees. I'm like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Oh my God. That's the dancer in you. No warm up. Just jump in, no warm up. Go. I could do it. Bachma, go. Wait, so were you doing all of New York City in a boot? In a boot. <laughs> Reg. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. Do you remember when Russell had the boot and they made him that giant boot cover and they even put like laces on it? It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was so comical. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember this because the scene we had to do where we had to wheel him off in the chair and send him on a vacation to Hawaii was like, don't take a vacation. We just push him down the hallway. You know, it was like, okay, great. Oh my God. I mean, listen, they wrote that in. They wrote pregnancies. 
<laughs> yeah. I was talking to another person in television about how 22 episodes, you really just have to keep making shit up. And that it's like, if someone gives you something like, I injured my Achilles, it's like, great, we'll write that in. We'll run with that. Yeah. So I was in the middle of filming an episode of All Rise. It was just one episode, but we had a weekend between. Yeah. And then I just recently shot the season finale and I was like, guys, I can walk into and out of the scene, maybe in a shoe, but I got to keep the boot on for the rest of the time. That was more traumatic for me than anything was telling them and not having anyone to talk to on a weekend about it. I know because Reggie, I feel like you and I are like the same person in some ways of like just making that production phone call. I remember when I had to tell production that I was pregnant, I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm about to give life I'm creating life and I'm and growing this, my family but I'm so sorry I've disappointed you I know by having a baby this is going to create like, scheduling issues and I'm I really know. sorry don't mind me it's fine I'm fine well because like, you guys know I mean we work so hard right to create you're finally on a show and it's going oh and you're infinitely replaceable yeah infinitely replaceable replaceable. and we don't know any better that we're like we're gonna be fine we're gonna be fine you know take control of our now we don't but you know jim pauf and david greenwald just bless them for like they never killed anyone (laughs) (laughs) no you know nothing it was like all so good that's true i had all my conversations with steve oster the best that man is a saint He was like my priest. I would like call him in the middle of the night because I had a few real bombs I had to drop on him that were going to really screw things up. But yes, we were lucky with our top. You know, they treated us. We were lucky with like everything. Everything. We were lucky with us. Yeah. So we have talked about your casting story and about how this role was created just for you. Just sort of, you know, introduce people to the true specialness that is you. (laughs) The BTS of that. The BTS of that. But now we get to hear it from you directly and what that situation felt like for you because you auditioned for the role of Hank Griffin. Yeah. As the story goes. Well, first of all, those were the times when like there was actually testing. Like we would actually go and test for like the studio and then the network if you got that far. But there'd be like a room full of like 50 people (laughs) in the small theater. And I was always surprised to get a little further in this particular audition because I've always felt like, yeah, you use someone else. You use someone else. And then they just kept calling you back. And I had another test at Sony and my manager said, okay, I'm going to get you a car to go from Sony to Universal where we were testing for network, for Grimm. So I get there and man, I'm such an anxious person that my nerves are already getting hyped up now just thinking about the testing process. So brutal. (laughs) I get there and it's literally down to me and Russell and another person. (laughs) And it was like the United Colors of Benetton is going back in this role. (laughs) You know? So went in there and did our thing and got home. And I was waiting to like test for another thing. And my manager calls and says, hey, listen, so they love you but the role is going to go to Russell Hornsby. And I was like, that's great. Thought he would be great for it. You're like, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> good for I was like, yeah, good for him. Good for him. Okay, great. For him. That's fantastic. He's perfect for it. <laughs> God damn it. And then they said they really love you and they want to write a role for you. There's supposed to be a bunch of cops in the precinct, but they're going to kind of write this sergeant role for you that's kind of going to embody the whole thing. First of all, I was like, what? 
You'd be like, what does that mean for my deal? What does that mean? I'm just, you know, because I, you know, we were at this stage in our careers where it's just like you either get it or you don't, but someone actually writing you into a yeah, pilot. That's wild. I didn't understand that process. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what does that mean for the role? Because I was also interested in how this character would develop. Not that I really cared because I was like, oh, I don't a pilot. I got a pilot. Right. I can stop Chesney. I can stop the madness and the nerves and the anxiety of it all. Yeah. And they were like, okay, they want to offer you like this many episodes per season. And I was like, we're going to go for this many episodes. I was like, okay, that's great. And so they were like, okay, they agreed on this many episodes and said, they will approve it. So at that point, Grace Wu was the head of casting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they had to go through her and say, would you approve writing another character as a series regular? And she said, yes, as long as you name him after me. <laughs> Hence, Sergeant Wu was born. I didn't know that. I did not know that either. Yes. That's great. I love oh, Grace. My that is so cool. Gosh. So, you know, I owe this to Jim Tauf and Todd Milliner and David Greenwald and Grace Wu and Sean Hayes. Yes to all that. But this town isn't handing out that shit like on a corner, like some like Tic Tac. No, it just never happens. It's undeniable. Like I was saying this before you got on. You make every project better. You make every scene better. Oh, you guys. And so I'm not surprised by this origin story of how you got on. I mean, those are the moments of like, Real gratitude. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, first of all, can that please happen again? (laughs) For all of us. But second of all, it was, I'm going to take the whole Asian Pacific idea into it because literally the first 10 years of my career was spent playing bad guys and leaders of gangs. And so you had this amount of stuff to work with, right? And then it was like, well, I'm going to make this as real as possible, even though it's this little thing. I'm going to make it as real and as fun and just build a story around it and whatnot. And it just became about that. And similar to this particular story, it was like in the pilot, I was like, oh, I'm in literally like three scenes with like two lines per scene. (laughs) How do I build this character? And it was building it by literally the first line I said, which was incredibly sarcastic. So I just started like building this particular character. But thank you for that. I really appreciate that because, yeah, I mean, we all work hard. We all work really hard. Speaking of playing bad guys, you were in Prison Break with Silas, pre-Grim. I plan on watching all of that. I've not seen that show. I think I purposely didn't watch it when we were working together because I didn't want that to like get in my way for some reason. But I want to actually watch that now. But I hear that you play a scary, scary guy on that show. Is that true? That was a really fun role. I was actually part of the Twisted Government. Oh, okay. The Twisted Government kind of FBI-ish person that always did everything like customer service with a smile. But you and Silas also were in acting class together with Harry, right? So when we booked this pilot, Silas and I were doing a scene together in acting class. Whoa. In acting class. How cute is that? And it was a scene from a play called Beckett. Um, Yeah. I mean, we were like, okay, we're out. Wow. (laughs) But wait a minute. I feel like we all kind of worked on something together. Yeah. Well, Claire and Jamie Ray, the last pod, we discovered we all tested for MacGyver together in like 2000 two or three. Unbelievable. Bitsy and I, we did a show together. And then Bitsy and David did a movie together. And I tested for something not against Bitsy, but Bitsy was the lead of and I was testing to be her best friend or something. Wow. And I know Russell had like worked with Sasha, I think. Yes. Yes. On that NFL. Yeah. It was like NFL Network. Something players on ESPN. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Crazy. But, you know, 
hey, I'm just waiting for our movie to come out. When are we doing a movie? I know. You know, and obviously the fandom is strong. And there's a lot of requests for the Sergeant Woe spinoff. <laughs> I want to watch that. Because I think that is the thing, Reg. The creating and filling out the character, even though when you're given so little to work off of, that's where that comes from. You come into the precinct and you say these things, like, you know, in these beginning episodes, especially in this episode where, like, Brie was just talking about kind of the interesting thing about this episode is the history with this character and the police that, like, this case, it's a cold case that they had been working on before. And you really do infuse your presence with so much backstory and so much depth that every time you leave, you're like, but, but, wait, 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 but, like, what? <laughs> What? What was? I want to know that, that thread. Like, what is that about? Yeah. Wait, did you guys watch it already? Oh yeah, yeah. We watched every episode. You did? Yeah, and it was the first time that Bree and I had both seen. There's a few of these now. This first season, where it's the first time we watched the episode. This is a really good one because before I come onto the show, I basically was like, I'm not going to really watch anything <laughs> until I'm in it. No, I've watched a few, but I'm having so much fun watching these. Yeah. I'm like rewatching with the fans. Do you remember? Can you just like go back those 10-ish years? I literally wikipedia this exact episode. I was like, fuck, I remember this episode. It was very good. Yeah. Do you know why I remember this episode? It was the first time I was on a case with Russell. And I remember working with Ted Rooney, who was that Portland actor that we went in his house and investigated him. Uh huh. Oh yeah, he's so yeah. amazing. And I just remember being floored by his work. And I was like, this is so much fun. I mean, he's so good at what he does. Yeah, everyone was very good on this episode. Yeah. It was one of my favorites, I think, so far. But Claire, I don't know if you know how I met Reggie. I don't think so. I don't know if Reggie remembers how I met Reggie. I remember how I met you. You mean when you were doing Miss Saigon? And I was in the audience. Wait, why? We kind of met each other from afar. I was at a performance when he was on tour with Miss Saigon. Oh, my. We talked about this a long time ago, but I was just about to move to L.A. out of high school. Unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Reggie was a dancer like me, and we have like a lot of the same, we know a lot of the same people. We do. Yeah. You know, I feel like in some past life, we were like brother and sister. We're soulmates. We're soulmates, baby. We are. We're soulmates. There's... Yeah, that's crazy. That was literally <laughs> like my first major professional job was that. Yeah. Wow. That was a beautiful tour. That was a great production of that. Yeah, they keep reviving that sucker <laughs> over and over and over and over again. But the first time I met Bree, actually in person, we had the same publicist at a certain time. Oh. I met her at Yamashiro. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. And I was like, this girl. Oh, yeah. my, God. oh my gosh. That was like early aughts. What were you promoting at the time? Uh, Maybe Fast and Furious. Maybe it was Fast and the Furious. What were you promoting at the time? <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. I feel like it was a movie, Brie. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't do TV until... There was one with like Catherine... Did you do one with Catherine Heigl? I did. That was later, though. Okay. No, this was earlier. I can't remember, but it was something. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, she was impeccably, gorgeously dressed. And I was like... Who is this girl? Was she blonde then? I think I was definitely blonde. Yeah, she was like fucking cool. Oh, wow. I I think I was cooler. I was cooler then. (laughs) Wait, have I told this story on the podcast of being at the first Comic-Con where Brie and I were assigned to the rounds together and we walk into some entertainment tonight where they're, you know, asking you questions in front of a camera and the host looks at Brie and goes, oh my God, you are so beautiful. (laughs) And then she looks at me and goes, hi, thanks for coming. (laughs) Oh, Claire. <laughs> I, like, I know. That she does that too. <laughs> it's 
It's so true. It was The Bachelorette. What is her name? She was hosting. Oh, God. Oh, it was one of The Bachelorettes. Wow. But I was really like, I just laughed. I was like, I know. <laughs> She's, guys, so Hey, speaking of like beautiful. people filling our cups, you know, I was at the Oakland airport yesterday and I had a woman come up. She was so sweet. She was like, I love you from Graham. Huge fan of Graham and Rosalie. And she's like, I'm also a huge fan of my best friend's wedding, which is, by the way, a job I did as just a dancer in like one tiny scene in 1994. But I mean, it was iconic. And I've rewatched that scene every time. Well, I was like speechless. I mean, I was utterly speechless. Because sometimes you can tell when they've just looked at IMDb and they're like pulling some cues to like connect with the conversation. Seriously, I think had been my fan since then. That's wow. so, so touching. And it was like, that's was, amazing. Like, Thank you so much. There is a genuine too now when someone comes up and says something where I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like, it's like, I really did need that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And it continues. Yeah. I think that's the great thing about streaming too, where it's like the life just continues and there's another life that kind of builds and buds up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it would be so fun to just get back. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Well, that's why we're doing this. I mean, it's I like right. the fans want to talk about it still. And like, we love talking about it. Yeah. Speaking of real flattery, how does it feel to have a mini donut named after you? Is you that guys like are hitting all the points. <laughs> I love it. You're so on your game. We're professionals. This is episode seven. We're professionals. I mean, I don't know what you would have run into episode one, but we're episode seven. We have got things. I literally just for the first time this episode figured out how to plug in my mic without asking poor Jeff for like, no, you know, we are my mic well, number then again. You guys, the tech check yesterday. Thank God I did this tech check because I haven't even pulled out this little Yeti microphone ever since, I don't know, beginning of the pandemic. And then I was like, it's not going into my ear. I don't know. Well, what's happening? Yeah, that's it's a real steep curve. I want to stay on your subject, though. But, you know, episode seven, I'm not going to give it away so much. There's an episode down the line where this donut came to fruition. And <laughs> Nate Snell from Pip's Original Donuts found me on Twitter and was like, hey, my wife and I watch Grimm and we loved you in this episode. And we were wondering if we could name a donut after your character. And I was like, are you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, Reggie Lee, you have the biggest sweet tooth of yeah. anyone I know. And he didn't even know that. He did not know that. Wow. So it's based on a later episode in this first season. And I was like, dude, thank you. That's better than winning an Oscar. I mean, I think so. It's more enduring. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Plus, it's a delicious donut. Right? I feel like I could get more jobs from having a donut than <laughs> than I can from winning an Oscar. <laughs> can you approve my project, please? Because I have a donut named after me. I mean, I don't want to, like, compete here, but I kind of have a chai latte there. Yes, you do. Wait, you do? I didn't know about this. It's not as celebrated as the... Uh, is the Dirty Woo? The Dirty Woo, obviously. It's under the radar, but you can order it with the Dirty Woo. It's called Heart of Gold. So good. It's a spicy chai latte. Mm -hmm. Reg, you have to describe the Dirty Woo, like the tasting notes of the Dirty Woo. Oh, so it's a cinnamon sugar. I have to say the word hot before it. Okay. Nate told me how to describe it. <laughs> a hot? <laughs> yeah, talk to me, Daddy. Cinnamon sugar donut. A hot cinnamon sugar donut drizzled with Nutella and honey and sprinkled with sea salt. There you have it. So good. This donut needs to have its own like YouTube channel. <laughs> they were like, can we name it the Dirty Woo? I was like, hey, 
That sounds fantastic. Go for it. I love donuts. It's the best donut I've ever had. Well, and Portland is a donut town. They were sort of the culinary answer to voodoo donuts, Voodoo's, which is like yeah. Yeah. the 4 a.m. drunk donut. <laughs> I mean, there's a time and a place for the voodoo drunk donut. Oh, yeah. You guys had a voodoo donut? You must have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we were shooting the pilot, I think I went to voodoo. I went to Bunk, like all of the places that were on whatever, you know, Food Network. Bunk sandwiches. Yes, you did. Yes. And Le Pigeon. Clark Lewis. Yes. Clark Lewis. We shot at Clark Lewis last episode. The scene with me and Hank out to dinner. That was Clark Lewis. I remember that. Remember Hank's having dinner with you? Hank's having dinner with Wu. And he leaves you and he's like, I got to go home. And then Sergeant Wu's left alone to drink. That was a couple episodes ago. We watched that one. I was like, what does Sergeant Wu drink? What's his like spirit? I think it was, um, I think he had a brown drink. I think it was like a... Did I? Some whiskey thing. Whiskey sour or like a... Really? Yeah. I don't even remember. I just know that I like cats. Cat figurines in my room. Well, <laughs> the episode where I meet you, which was my first episode, I mean, there was so much asked of you. That was also like, I felt like I came home. You know, I think there's just like a work ethic that I get with you. Like, I think we approach things similarly and just like, I don't know what it is, if it's the dancer or if it's the training we had with our studios, you know, in L.A. But I remember that episode seeing you take your work seriously and you completely give over to the imaginary circumstances. And I just like love that, you know, and it makes it so fun to play with people like you on a set. And you are like such a truthful actor, Reggie. So oh, fun to work with. Thank, well, I think in that episode, which I won't give away at all, I literally had no choice. <laughs> you know, and I remember that. I had stories because I want to tell a Bree story and a Claire story. <laughs> okay, tell a Claire story first. Oh my! First of all, one of my very dear friends, she played the lead in Miss Saigon in L.A. So we see her and her husband probably like every Friday. We do wind down Fridays with them. We drive to Agora Hills, which is great to get out of here and like go somewhere else. And like they have a backyard and there are mountains and it's breezy. And Oh, so nice. And we drink a lot of wine. But what's new with that? <laughs> so they've started watching Grimm because they have a son, Julian, who is so smart. And he's about at that age where they're able to let him watch. They just finished Stranger Things. Oh, wow. And so they kept calling me. They're like, my God. We love the show. We love your character. And he was like, do you know what my favorite character is? And I was like, who? He was like, the Hex and Beast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that oh. makes me feel so good. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. I was like, not Sergeant Wu? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say that at all. But I was like, Claire, you have such a following with this particular character. The character is very mysterious and then kind of really went on a wild ride. I remember very clearly from when we were shooting the pilot because we got together for dinner one night and we met downstairs at, what hotel was that? The Nines. The Nines, yeah, 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 the yeah. The Nines. Yeah. And we were talking about the pilot and Flair's like, yeah, it's going to go because every time I get a recurring on a show, it goes. And it went. <laughs> Shit, she was right. I book a lot of recurring character that then they can't seem to get rid of. Personally, I think that's the best gig. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's just like, take the back door. Both of you came in that way, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was undeniable, like, well, they're part of this universe. And yeah, I mean, I'm just so glad that it was like all of us together. But I remember Bree's first day, going back to your first day. Yeah. And it was a pretty 
hefty first day for you. Yes, that was a crazy, crazy first day. In the spice shop. Yeah. And I think you closed the deal like the day before or something, flew out or something, and then they had chunks of lines. No, that was crazy. That was crazy. But, you know, like Claire, I came in sideways, which I couldn't have asked for a better way to book this job because there just was total faith and just like you can't overthink it because I overthink everything and I get up in my head and I have all the anxiety come in and the fact that it was like, boom, 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 go. You know, it also wasn't some like giant committee needing to approve my hiring. It was like core three people who ended up being like my people for the whole time. And it was like, you want to work with people who want you to be there. Yeah. 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 It's just a good feeling to know like we're all on the same page about this. And I mean, that's just part of the business, you know, the dealing with the suits and the executives. Yeah. Especially on a network show. So, I mean, but man, we are like the prehistoric animal now. We had six seasons. That's pretty crazy. The world we started the show and the world we entered after the show wrapped, it was a cataclysmic. It's like the world was not the same. Our business was not the same. Yeah. Totally different industry. Yeah. That's not a negative thing, you know. It's just a real moment in television where there was not streaming when we started the show. And then we entered a world of almost exclusive streaming and no 22s, only 8s, 10s, limited, you know. And you've been on a show for almost seven years. So it was a very interesting, I think, unique time for all of us to come back into. Yeah. But basically, everyone is just, you know, I mean, you've not stopped working, Reggie, since... Oh, I have. Yeah, for like five weeks. Dude. I have. <laughs> Remember you guys when we were like coming out of it? It was like, I just kept getting answers like, it's going to take a couple years after you get off like a long running show because people can just see you as that particular character. Wow. And then you haven't been around LA auditioning in person for a while. And then the industry has changed. So all those three things. That's what I felt was just like, who are you? Because then I moved to New York and my manager had set me up with all these generals, you know, with the casting people out there. And there's one casting director I sat down with and she was like, okay, so remind me, like, you're in town doing a show? And I said, no, I just got off of a network series. And she's like, which one? Grim. 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 Remind me. And I was like, yeah, yeah this is how it yeah. is going yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. And okay. Yeah. But then once I could kind of reframe my expectations, you know, because there is this sort of, you just think you're going to keep bopping around. Show to show. Yeah. But also, is that even really what we should be doing? You know, that was a stressful time coming off and like not knowing what was next. And we've been gone, been out of L.A. But now this far out, you have to have time to refuel and reflect and like you're a different person and to just be like, okay, that never happened. Back to track. You know, it's like, no, you just did like a six and a half year. Like your life is different. You are different. You can't approach it how you were when you started. So it's all about perspective, you know? Absolutely. It took a lot of like mental, psychological reframing. Yeah. Yeah. It was as if our lives were defined by this particular show. Hence, our lives were defined by being an actor. Yeah. Well said. Like, yes, I am an actor, but it is not the definition of the entirety of me. There's the rest of our lives that we hadn't really had for six years. You know, whether we were like living in Portland or traveling back and forth or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we were all living two different lives constantly because we still had family elsewhere, right? Houses, spouses, children, people, parents, you know, you have your life, you have to like cultivate and maintain. 
And that's hard because our entire world was the show and the city. And obviously, because it was so positive as well, you kind of, at least this was for me, I'll speak for myself. Like it was hard to reintegrate. And that's why I ultimately just never left Portland. You know, I mean, the babies really settled me down. But I think after season two, I then stopped coming back to L.A. even during hiatus. Yeah, you know. That's great, though. Because I was needing to focus on my family life, and it was there. And so that's a really important thing, Reg, that you just said, of like identity Yeah, with this kind of job when you're a long-running television show. Yep. Well, that's why it's been fun watching these shows, because it also is like a capsule in time. I bet. And it feels like it's far enough away now. It's like... Kind of nostalgic. Very much. You know, after being out of it for now, when did we stop? Like beginning of 2017, so five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. February, March 20th. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the feeling is not left my soul mm-hmm. about this particular experience. And it will never leave mm-hmm. my soul Yeah. after this particular experience. I know that only because I've had experiences after it that I thought would maybe subconsciously do something and go, hey, yeah, something bigger, better, brighter, newer, shinier, and never. And I think looking at like Russell, who is, you know, rightfully so, has built an amazing, really prestigious career for himself. I just saw him like maybe a couple months ago for lunch. And it was just like, we had never left. And it still remains a special part, even though we go on to do other things, have life work I think maybe for all of us, and I don't know if it's like maybe our age or just being this far off from the show, but just like kind of trying to really get right and recapture why you started on this path in the first place. And I think Grimm was that for all of us, this, yes, this is why I did this and this is why I busted my ass and went through all that rejection. It was like, because this, because it can be good like this. And you know, like when you grow up, in theater and dancing and like working in community with groups of people. That is the magic. So I think since Grimm trying to sort of recapture that or do all these things or get back to like why you started off in this way in the first place. Yeah. Life's too short, you know, then what are you doing? I think it's also probably fueled like the real intentional work on like, why did I start this? You have to vigilantly cultivate that now because of this Zoom self-tape. Yeah, it's so, it's so, it's so, so hard. I mean, I'm going to start teaching an acting class. Yay. Oh, wow. And it's in person with young actors moving here and just starting out. But I am so excited. I've been just sort of shadowing my mentor the last month and just, I've been back in a room with people watching them and such a talented, talented group of young actors. And it's saving me actually right now. Even though I'm an observer in this space, it's just reminding me of not just like being an actor, it's just like being a human, you know? And it's really important for us to really physically be in spaces, collaborating with people. Like this whole Zoom world, self-tape world, I mean, it has to be the way it is and it does offer a lot of opportunity. But we have to every day go out and like cultivate the inner stuff. Uh If you have an artistic life, you have to be out in the world with people doing things. Yeah, the observational aspect. I love auditioning. And to me, that was such an integral. I know, I know. 
bless your heart. I wish I could say the same. That's awesome. Like, I love being nervous and sitting in the room and looking at everybody and reading the sign-in sheets and then going in and you're meeting and like wow. you're getting notes. Because I need direction. Like, I am blob in space until you tell me, <laughs> you know, like, try this. It's like, I will do that. But like, I am really amoebasville. So I miss all of that so deeply and trying to figure out how to cultivate that over self-tapes, which is just like, I think I have to just treat this as a different thing. And when I get to do the work, because I also just being on a set and knowing what to do on a set and knowing how to make somebody's day easier or better, like that whole aspect of what we do and that whole part of our job too. There's so many parts of the job that we have not been able to do in this COVID world. Uh-huh. You know, afterwards, after Grimm ended, it was same as what you said, Claire. It was like, we're just going to pop from show to show. And when that didn't happen, you thought, okay, well, the treadmill should be running for me. Like, it's already running, right? Like, people are going to hire me, like, blah, 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 whatever. And it was like, little spatters here and there. It's like, here, have this job. Okay, you're done. Here, have this job. Okay, you're done. You know, it's like, where's the job? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same landscape anymore. Yeah. I don't think that's the way for any actor. No. And so within that, it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, calm down, because I lost focus of like why I was doing this in the Uh first place. It became about the hunt. The hunt. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh Getting the job versus the enjoyment. And at one point I was like, I think this is good as I'm. Yeah. 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 You know, and that was sad for me. It was like, no, I know there's more. And then I found Sarah Mornell, who my agent recommended. And she works with a bunch of people we know as well. But she really works with the sign of the times. You know, she watches shows. Even the style of acting, even all that stuff has changed. Yeah. From the time we were on network television. Network television is trying to be like cable uh-huh. television now. Fair. You know, everything's more real. Everything's more authentic. Everything's all of the above. It's just like they're hiring you, uh-huh. Yeah. you know, to do things. And my thing was always like, no, morph into this character, morph into that, morph into that. And I was like, oh, shit, I can access different parts of me, you know, imaginary parts of me that feel so real now. And it was like, Oh, there's the joy. That's great. There's the joy again of why I started this in the first place. So I feel like we all, whether it's our lives or whether it's our work or whether it's the business of our career, we all can always find ways of growing. Thank God for that kind of possibility. And it was all because of this experience and then having time that was like, you're not going to get what you want. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, it's just such a beautiful way to put it. Or just the plan, like this like fallacy of like the plan, right? Yeah. Because I definitely too am like probably more method in my approach of really like the imagination of who this person is. And now that there's a lot more of like bringing yourself, it's also like a lot of vulnerability in that, that I've had to really take on of like, oh, talk about like, we must take care of our inner life because suddenly they want to see you. And like, you need to have a good relationship with you. Oh, that's, yeah. You know, that's also like a different kind of approach with shows and casting and like honesty that people are expecting on screen now. Yeah. Actually, Sarah talked about that. She was like, you have to access you every day because you have to get in touch with that every day. Yeah. You know, so get used to doing that. She's all about self-empowerment. Yeah. Especially with women too, because she's gone through so much and has been in this business as well and testing. And so she knows it in and out. Yeah, I just advocate for her. 
it's just new. It's just all new. So I'm glad I have you guys to talk to oh, about it because, Reg. you know, just different. I think this is important stuff to talk about, like in the community that yeah. just hasn't been the norm. Yeah. And instead of just kind of moping, which I feel like was part of, you know, when the pandemic hit where it's like, ah, and it's like, if you're going to stay alive, you got to pick yourself up and figure out how to reframe it and be productive about the situation. So, yeah, this is all about let your hair down. Oh, how perfect. Oh, how did you God. do that? How did you do how that? How did Reg? you do that? This is a one. Wow. What? There's nothing more to be said in this interview now. <laughs> Let your hair down. Yeah. Love you so much, honey. You're just the best. I love you so much. I love you more. <laughs> Thank you so much, Reg. Bye, baby. Mwah. We'll see you soon. See ya. Anytime. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. I just love Reggie so much. I love him so much. When I was, <laughs> this is the strangest thing. I can't believe I didn't just bring it up. But whenever I think of Reggie, this thing pops into my head was that Reggie gave Bitsy for her birthday one year a Roomba. And if you know Bitsy deeply and you know Reggie, like it really sums up, first of all, how generous, how intuitive. And I don't know why I think about it every time. I think because I really also now, I really want a Roomba. Look, you're either like in the Roomba camp or you're not. Like it's like <laughs> you either like a Roomba or you don't like a Roomba. Like no room for gray with a Roomba. She's so seductive about the Roomba. She should be a spokesperson for the brand. I mean, I she mean, really she loves her Roomba. Really yeah. loves that Roomba. Yeah. Reggie giving Bitsy a Roomba for her birthday, like season one or season two. I just remember being floored. And I just think about that all the time. I know it's so weird. <laughs> I just love him so much. I also love all of you. Thank you for joining us once again. You know, we really want to hear from you. So follow the link in the show notes and leave us a message. We love you guys so much. You're the reason why we're here. And thank you for tuning in. To be continued.